Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, we always invite you to be a part of Greeny Nation along with the hashtag crew. Dr. Pepper call in line, ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. We're going to hear from the hashtag crew here. Bubba and Cam with us today on the diatribe I just went on about NFL officiating, the opposite of what you might have expected me to say. Quickly, I will tell you this. I'm, I'm being told that Joe Dumars, who is the NBA's dean of discipline, if you will, is currently on first take with Stephen A. Stephen A. sent me a note last night saying he thinks he, he thought he was going to get Dumars today, and I'm being told they have. So we will have someone listening to that, and we will turn it around for you here on radio quickly. We've spent about the first 40 minutes of today's show talking about the Draymond Green situation, and we, we will certainly get back to that. And again, Joe Dumars is on first take right now, so we will play back um, the most interesting things he says about that coming up here in just a little while. In the meantime, I just went on a bit of a rant defending NFL officials. NFL officials are people who are being asked to do an impossible job. They may not be doing it quite as well as it could be done. I don't know that one way or the other. What I do know is there is nothing they will ever do that will satisfy the public. Our passion for pro football in this country is so overwhelming and has been magnified in intensity so much by concerns over fantasy and gambling that every single call that is and isn't made in a football game is going to get scrutinized a hundred different ways. And you are asking people standing out there real time watching an enormous number of things happen at once to correctly adjudicate every single situation to, in the same way that we get to do when we see it with 20 different angles on super slow-mo instant replay. That's not possible. You're asking them to do an impossible job. I have been saying for 15 years on these airwaves, the solution to that is instant replay. We do instant replay totally wrong. Roger, call me. If Roger Goodell called me and said, Greeny, redesign instant replay in the NFL, I could make this so much better so quickly. They have tried, they have, this is the definition of letting perfect be the enemy of good. They've tried to make instant replay perfect, and as a result, they've turned it into something that isn't even good anymore. Instant replay, I'm not even sure, is a net negative for the sport the way they currently have it. Excuse me, isn't a net negative. When it should be the answer to their biggest problems. But anyway, go back to my thesis. We are asking officials to do an impossible job. Like, what would be something, Hembo, that I could ask you to do that would be just impossible? If I said to you, D. Wood, uh, uh, D. Wood is going to stand in a wrestling ring, and I want you to go into that ring, and I want you to wrestle him to the ground and pin him. Okay. We could only judge your level of failure in that endeavor. Success is not an option, <laughs> right? Unless, unless he is a willing partner, you are never going to wrestle him to the ground and pin him. So I'm asking you to do something that is impossible. So we can judge how well you tried, but we'll never be able, the standard we're holding you to is impossible. That's my analogy to what we're asking NFL officials to do. 
And I do not believe we are using technology properly to help them. That's my thesis. What do you say, Hembo? Yeah, officials are not the problem. The, the practice of officiating is the problem. The practice of officiating is broken. It's clear and obvious that what we're asking these people to do is not possible. The rule book is too cumbersome, and their responsibilities are much too vast. If you knew nothing about football and you just watched a game, you would assume that the people in white and black stripes are the most important people on the field. We see them constantly, and the NFL needs to move away from that. The problem is that the game has been officiated one way for a hundred years. Obviously, the replay is a, relatively speaking, newer component, but I think it's going to take a little while. Like The first step is acknowledging the problem, and the NFL has done that. And what I would do if I were them is spend some time using other leagues as sort of your guinea pigs, the way that baseball did with the pitch clock in the minor leagues, to figure out how we could do this stuff better and faster and get less TV time for the officials. What stuff? Like, literally rebuild the practice of it. Rebuild your rule book. Rebuild the way that you do it. I don't understand. What do you mean by that? Give me an example of something you would change. I I don't understand what you're saying. What What I'm saying is the way that we do it now is much too complicated. It's much too complex. The way we do what? The way way that we ask people to officiate games. So so are you saying the same exact thing I just said, or are you saying something different? I'm saying the exact same thing that you just said, and what I'm trying to do is lay out out a foundation for the way in which we can get there to remedy the problem. And my opinion is that you can use some of these other lower-level leagues or maybe even college football to, to... to try to create replay in such a way that it can move a lot faster and we can see less stuff. Like, the officials are just always on TV. They're the most important thing that's happening, always. And now we live in a world in which the the commentators, like whether it's the the Dean Blandinos or the John Perrys or whomever out, the Gene Steratores, they've become a huge part of this. I don't want that. We also have, uh, living in a place in which the the Gymnances and Tony Romos feel like they need to opine on these things constantly, and that's bad too. We don't want the, the commentators complaining about the officiating content. It's, what I'm saying is it's an overwhelming presence in football. And the way in which we can eliminate that, I'm all for. How it happens, I think it's a little more complicated than the way that you're suggesting. Mm, yeah, okay. So, so they've done some things, right? Like now they have, like New York will call them and tell them, like they'll say, uh, you know, no, no, there is no foul for this. There is no foul for that. With someone and telling them in their ear quickly. But it takes no, forever. It takes forever. Some of them do. My, my point is they have instituted a very new phenomenon, like in the last year or two, Mm -hmm. is there are some calls they get right instantly. What I'm saying is they should do that all the time, and the ones that we cannot be corrected that easily just leave alone. Because if there's anything that we've discovered from watching football is that we see it on our TVs, and we know the answer before any of the people that matter know the answer. Well, that's my point. And if we don't know the answer, then the call stands and get on with our day. That's what I'm saying. What they then do is they go stand under this hood, and they try... So, so, so what, 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 here's what I'm trying to say. If, if a decision, you make a decision, and that decision is based on evidence that you've seen, and if you are 51% certain that your answer is correct, then that should not be something that we are reviewing. You should not be changing a call that you are 51% sure you got right. You should only be changing calls that you are 100% sure were gotten wrong the first time. And if we did it to, if we just limited it to that, it would do a lot of what you're saying. Yeah. It would eliminate a lot of this nonsense. That's what, so I think on some level we are saying the same thing. Just correct the egregiously missed calls and live with the other ones. That can be done 
fast. It can be done by someone else. Wait a minute. We totally missed this. He definitively stepped out of bounds, put the ball on the 37-yard line, and snap it. And then we're done. Follow-up question. Yeah. Do we need all the TV time? Like, do we actually need to take the time to where this guy gets himself mic'd up, turns it on, faces the TV, and tells the world what's happening? Like, we've done that forever for as long as I've watched football. Do we need to deter the game in such a way 20 times a game? Well, as opposed to what? Like just as not- opposed to just, mo- like, you know, like, like anything else that runs on the bottom line or that, that, that appears in the scoreboard in the stadium. Like, why do we need the official to be mic'd up like it's a concert telling everyone what happened in that manner? Do well, we really need to? Well, I think everyone needs to know. Like, if you're a fan sitting at the game, you need to know why they're marching 10 yards backwards or something like that, There's a right? PA announcer in the stadium, and there's the people talk, t- you know, talking to us on TV, I think too. You're over, my personal opinion is you're overstating that problem. I don't think the problem is that the official gets on there and calls offsides and tells you it was offsides and what number it was called on. The problem is when they go off and they look at something forever. A quick call, you know, holding, offense, 10-yard penalty, second down. That's nothing. What that, I'm saying is I just – I, I, I want to rework – rebuild the whole thing. And if I were to do that, if we were to start over, like you just said, if we were to start over, I'm not sure we would be doing that. We're turning these people into celebrities or villains in some <laughs> okay. cases. That's fine, but that's true in all sports. That's true in basketball. You know the officials. We you see know the officials in basketball way less than football. Way less. Well, I mean, I don't know that they're that's not talking, true. They're not talking to the fans 20 times a game. No, they do get up there now and they do talk on into occasion. that microphone on occasion. But they make big calls. I mean, you remember the – you know the officials in basketball. I remember Jake O'Donnell was always the guy they would bring in there when there was, you know, trouble. If the teams were, like, on the verge of fighting, he would come in there and clean it up. We know the guys who's got beef with this player and Chris Paul and all that kind of stuff. We, I mean, the player the, – the, 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 I think the officials in the NBA – have more of a reputation individually than the officials in the NFL. Maybe so, but they're they're much less part of the television product. They're much less a part of the the on field product. That that's what I that's what something that really really does bother me about football. Like we have these world class athletes, and I don't even know who the left tackle is sometimes because you know the the guy that's officiating the game is talking to me the whole time. That's interesting to me that that's what you've chosen bothers you. But like if you said here that we're looking into the idea of let's start this thing from scratch. Let's rebuild this practice. If we were to rebuild something, that means that everything that we're doing now should be scrapped and not assume that it's the right way to do it. How would you do that in baseball? Well, I think baseball is definitely on the right track with the, with the pitch clock and the way that they've enforced that this year. I think eventually we'll get to a place where the electronic strike zone rules a day and the challenge system. I mean, umpiring that's what I'm talking about. The challenge system for, for ball strike, I think will wind up being the next sort of frontier in baseball. And they've made They should or shouldn't have one. They should. I think that's because the technology will soon be at a place where that will make the sport better. Right now, it's still a little bit unwieldy. We'll reach a point where why the, would you need why would you need to challenge a call that has been made by um, by a robot? I, I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? Like in tennis, like they don't they don't challenge calls in tennis anymore, right? If it's wrong, it's just wrong. No, they'll throw they their they'll throw their hand wrong. up sometimes. Uh, sometimes, mm-hmm. but I mean, at the U.S. Open this year, I couldn't help but notice they weren't yeah. doing that. I don't know all of those. All they, the they were just details. going to that because you uh-huh. can tell immediately. Like, they'll just show you close plays over again. Mm-hmm. Maybe players do every now and again challenge them. I, I'm not sure. I, I, now, I, now I can't remember that at the Open this year. But either way, the point of the matter is, I think you're reacting in the scheme of things 
to a smaller problem. You that you may have a, a particular issue with that, like you don't mm-hmm. like seeing them so much. I don't think that's what people mean when they say there's a problem with officiating in the NFL that I know Sean Hockley too well. Like, <laughs> so you're, you're just saying you think there's a clear and obvious way they can get more calls right and they need, they need to use it. And take less better. time doing it. Mm-hmm. The biggest problem we have is it's taking too long to correct things that were much too uncertain to begin with. And that's what bothers me too is like we'll know immediately after watching a replay and then we have to wait three minutes for them to finish looking in their funnel like and just watch them talking about it. That's right. Or we won't know in which case they should just continue playing. <laughs> we let the coaches decide which ones might have been right and might have been wrong. And then we have some that are not reviewable anyway even though those might be the one that changed the outcome of the game. Those are the things that I would address quickly or immediately. Quickly, Cam, how about you? Hashtag Cam, what is your take on all this officiating stuff? Yeah, I think it is also interesting that I think it's just a product of, of like owners meetings being this week, but that all of this talk and Roger Goodell addressing it and everything came on the heels of a call that pretty much everyone said was right. And I think it's because their best player was so demonstrative calling out uh, the officials on the field and after the game and had to apologize after. I do think he wouldn't have had to address it quite as strongly if Mahomes wasn't the one who had just called it out, you know, the defending champ, the face in some ways of the league. That's why they had to address it in that way, even though the criticism of officiating had been so high. Mahomes calling out a call that was right was what kind of forced Goodell's hand in having to say something even more stronger than he might have. That's probably fair. That's probably right. Look, I'm not suggesting it isn't a problem. I mean, all sports have issues with officiating because we're we're asking people to do things that are not possible. Like no one is perfect at their job. Players make mistakes, coaches make mistakes, officials make mistakes. What I've been saying forever is we can take the human element out of that, or at least we can take some of it out, and there's no reason that we shouldn't. The the, the line that I've used 500 times on these airwaves is the human element stinks. It's the reason we have deodorant. If you don't wear deodorant, you're going to smell bad. If I offer you a product and says, here, just roll this under your arm for four seconds and you won't smell bad today, that's a pretty easy fix. I will bring you this technology, replay, that will get rid of at least some of these problems. You will smell less bad. Why wouldn't you do it? That was before they had replay. Now they do. And, of course, like most things, they've overdone it with replay. We'll know that NFL officiating is fixed the day that networks can stop employing people to explain the rule book to us ten times again. See, I kind of like Gene Steratore. I enjoy the presence of Gene Steratore. I like the by-play between Tony Romo and Gene Steratore. More players. Less official. Oh, you're down on Gene's territory. Are you still looking for amazing gifts at Total Wine and more? You will find gifts for everyone on your list. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine and more. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. Um, we will have a very interesting edition of I'm Sorry What. A superstar player said something that has everyone in a tizzy. We'll dive into it next on ESPN Radio. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. 
Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to PrizePicks.com/Greenberg and use code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. That's PrizePicks.com/Greenberg, code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply 10 seconds on the clock how many things can you name that are always growing your relationships your skills your customer base how about businesses on shopify Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Um, as I promised you, we would. Um, first off, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, Joe Dumars was on First Take with Stephen A. and company a few minutes ago. We have a little bit of what he said, so I'll play that for you in 30 seconds after this word from Granger. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickranger.com or just stop by. Again, Joe Dumars, the NBA EVP in charge of disciplinary issues, um, was on first take a little while ago talking with Stephen A. and company in particular about why there is no set amount of games, at least to this point on the suspension for Draymond Green. A lot of times people get caught up into like a number. Like, what's the number? What? And we didn't want to do that. What we wanted to do was, first of all, we knew that there would be some level of punishment, but we didn't want that to be the focus. We wanted the focus to be on how can we help Draymond as well. And we thought indefinite was the best way to do that. So people don't get caught up on, here. what's the number? Is it too low? Is it too high? Indefinite means get yourself right. We want to see you at your best. And the best way for you to do that is is to get yourself, get yourself mentally and emotionally back to where you need to be. And so that's how we got to indefinite. Okay. I think that's a good explanation. It's, it's not surprising, but it's good to hear directly from him. I, I opened the show this morning for those of you just joining us by saying that I think the NBA, at least to this point, has gotten this exactly right. Or I should say at least with regards to the last 
two or three days. I personally thought that the suspension was too lenient after the Rudy Gobert situation a month ago. But as far as this is concerned, I think they got this exactly right. I think it's being handled with the appropriate amount of sensitivity. I think they're taking into account the concerns of everyone, including Draymond Green himself, but also of his team, his teammates, the players who have to play on the court against and with him, all that stuff. Um, I, I, I think so far so good as far as the way they're handling it. And as I also said at the beginning, I know there's many of you that are not you know, with us for the whole two hours of the show. Um, issues like these are really complex. You know, I, I, I've talked to you many times on these airwaves about how I, I have been in therapy since I was in my 20s. I'm 56 years old. It's, a, it's been a 30-year process, and in my case, it will go for the rest of my life. It's, it is a, a never-ending journey. And so mental health has become, delightfully, people are paying more and more attention to issues of mental health, which I think is wonderful. The complicated part of it is that mental health is not, it's not an easy thing. It's not as simple as, oh, well, he has anger management issues, so we'll do this. Or, oh, he has impulse control issues, so we'll do this. Now, Draymond Green is an interesting, insightful, intelligent, thoughtful person. So you may say to yourself, none of those things match up with the behavior that we're seeing on the court. And my response to that is, no, they don't. And the reason for that is because psychology is a complicated thing. Human beings are incredibly complicated. They don't go in boxes. So there isn't a cookie cutter answer to this problem. It isn't like, okay, well, we'll suspend him for eight games and then this problem will go away. I think what has been demonstrated is that there is no amount of games they can suspend him for that will make these problems go away. So you handle it this time at least differently you try a different approach you try as Wendy said on tv with us today sort of put a village around him and see if it helps with this problem and see if he genuinely recognizes his need for growth in all of this I, I think at least to begin with it is the right way to handle it yes and from a public relations standpoint too I think the NBA has has gotten this right as well keep in mind this was the lead of both of our morning shows. Get up and first take both led with Draymond Green's suspension. With all these uh, awful videos of him doing awful things on, on the court. Uh, why is that so important? It's important because Giannis scored 64 points yesterday in an NBA game. Mm-hmm. And we hardly mention it. Why didn't we hardly mention it? Well, because Draymond Green's, uh, this whole story and the interest that it generates is captivating. But that's not what the NBA wants to be leading our shows. Giannis had one of the best games you could ever imagine in, in the regular season. Yeah. And we mentioned it on Get Up, I think, once an hour for just a few seconds. And I think First Take has the same exact plan. Yeah, because that's not this story. Um, so anyway, I, th- I think that they have at least begun the process of getting this right, and we will see. I-, I promised you that I wanted to inject a little levity into the show today because, you know, these topics are heavy and they're serious and it's not a lot of fun, and that's not what any of us want You're not putting on my show because you feel like hearing us talk about serious issues. We do it when we have to. And you can't ignore this issue with Draymond Green. He's an incredibly significant player on an incredibly significant team who is in incredibly significant trouble. So we didn't have the option of ignoring it. But now that I feel we've covered it appropriately, I would like to try and help bring a little smile to your day, a little laughter to your day. And no one makes us laugh more than our colleague Jack. Let's bring Jack in. Jack, come on up in here. Uh, we, we, we had Jack in uh, recently. And I, I want to give you just a, a quick um, illustration for those of you who are not with us last week of the degree to which Jack is just candidly not the sharpest cheese in our fridge. Um, he walked into the studio 
uh, and he was going to join Hembo and me in a conversation. And there was a microphone and a laptop set up in front of me. And then there was one set up, a microphone and a laptop set up in front of Hembo. And then there was a microphone and a laptop set up by itself. And he walked in and said, do you want me to sit there? And I thought, that might be one of the five dumbest things anyone has ever asked me in my entire life. And I'm 56 (laughs) years old. What was your first clue that that might be the space? No, Jack, I thought I'd get up and you could log in as me and then you could do my space. So anyway, this is who Jack is. So Jack, how would you describe, first off, what exactly is your job title here? Uh, The Dopo. The Dopo, which, which stands for what? Uh, Director of Printing Operations. That's correct. So I am like the last <laughs> remaining ESPN talent who still has scripts printed on paper. If you watch almost any other edition, if you watch SportsCenter or any other show where there is, a, now almost nothing on our show is written, but there are some things that have to be, things that are very specific, promos, legal language, all that kind of stuff gets written out, um, sometimes by me and sometimes by other people. And almost any other anchor that you watch, if you, I mean, are the people that I've had here, Laura Rutledge, Maria Taylor, uh, Kevin Nagandi, whoever else, they read these things off of an iPad. But I, because I'm ancient, don't feel comfortable doing that. I still like my script papers. I like to have my script papers. So we basically brought Jack in just to print that for me. So Hembo titled him the director of printing operations. It's actually a very nice, smart kid, by the way, who is an aspiring sports announcer. And, and, and we will have you, someone will hire you by the end of this day. <laughs> <laughs> but what you are now doing, it, is, it has been brought to my attention that you are making a colossal personal mistake, and we're going to dive into this. So, Hembo, is there any setup that is required? Yeah, so the other day, Jack was uh, busy at work over in his station Christmas shopping uh, during work hours, and I, I see that he was putting clothing in a shopping cart. And so I asked him what was going on, and he just said he was buying his girlfriend some clothing for Christmas. Yeah, hold, hold the details on the clothing. She's she's listening. So okay, so I'm not going to give her to no turn this up. No, there's no way for us to have this. Okay, once again, Jack. So let's let's dive into what you just suggested. You were aware that we wanted to tell this story and talk about it at length. Yeah, and so you then alerted your girlfriend to be listening. And are now telling us, don't talk about what I'm getting her because it's her birthday gifts or Christmas gifts, whatever it is these gifts are for. No wonder they call them the dopo. So so you are the dopo in every conceivable way. How do you think we're going to have this conversation? That would be like saying, look, let's get into the Draymond Green thing. But whatever you do, don't talk about when he he, he hit uh, uh, Nurkic the other night. Just don't talk about that because that'll spoil it. So what is your girlfriend's name? Kayla. Kayla? Kayla. Kayla. Kayla, wherever you are, hesitantly and unfortunately, I ask you to turn the radio (laughs) off (laughs) because we are going to spoil this for you. I would also ask Kayla, is he really as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Dim-witted? Perhaps uh, as as he comes off. What is it? Dopey. He's sort of a dopey dopo. He's a dopey dopo. Yeah. So anyway, so Kayla, we love you. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. You will be getting, at some point here, a, a gift that is in every way a terrible idea, but we're not going to spoil for you what it is. We'll let you complain about it when you actually receive it. <laughs> so now that Kayla has turned the radio off, Hembo, continue the story. So I asked Jack, as I was looking in his shopping cart, oh, I assume that you consulted 
one or some of her friends before you did that because, look, obviously if you buy an item that's too big, oh, you think I'm fat? And if you buy an item that's too small, oh, you think I'm fat, right? So there is a very, very tough small needle to thread. And Jack's response was, no, I'm doing this on my own. So, so there's so many things wrong with that. You've been together with her how long? Uh, three years. Okay. So that's a reasonably long time, but still. It's not just the size, but it is also what things she wants, what clothing she wants, what things she wants to wear, what will make her happy. These are definitively things you don't know. <laughs> I know you think you know, but here's what I'm here to tell you. When you say, I know, what you really should be saying is, I don't know. Her girlfriends know that. Who's Kayla's be- closest female? Does she have a sister? Uh, she has a couple of really close girlfriends. Okay. Yeah. So what's the name of one of them? Uh, I'll say Maddie. Maddie. What do you mean you'll say Maddie? I mean, what, I mean <laughs> is that a pseudonym? To, are you making no, up I, a name? She has a couple of really good pe- friends. Is that a Mark Twain situation? For, for advice, I would probably go to Maddie because she's the one that I know Then best. why didn't you? Do you know her phone number? Because nobody knows her better than me. See? Oh, oh my, my God. goodness. <laughs> The degree to which you were wrong about this is so overwhelming. Jack, are you aware that a minimum of once a week, and and frankly, in your case, probably daily, Kayla picks up the phone, calls Maddie, and says, you're not going to believe what this idiot did yesterday. (laughs) I promise you that happens. If she tells you that's not happening... She's lying to you. Now, that doesn't make her a bad person. It makes her a good person. She doesn't want to hurt your feelings. But the truth is, you don't know her at all. (laughs) At all. You may be able to predict what she will do in a given situation, but I promise you, you don't know why, and you never will. So let's start with this. What size clothing... What style, What things did you buy her? Well, there's a couple things. And, and listen, the sizing, it depends on the item. You know, if we're talking sweatshirts, she likes comfy, oversized, vintage look. You know, she's not going for her normal size. She'll usually wear whatever size I wear because usually she's just stealing my sweatshirts and wearing them. And she's taking a liking to the So now the what you're saying is she has been stealing your sweatshirts. Yeah. So you decided to get her a sweatshirt. And your reaction, you're thinking she's not going to think, oh, my God, he's tired of me wearing his sweatshirts, <laughs> and this is why he's getting me this. And she's going to say, oh, so is it a problem that I'm wearing your sweatshirts all the time? And you're going to say nothing at all because you didn't consult with Maddie on what you should have been getting her in the first place. Maddie knows what she wants. What size sweatshirt did you get her? Uh, so one I got in a medium and one I got in a large because depending on – the model, the website that I ordered off of, very helpful. They include the size that the model is wearing and their height, so you can tell. So you think okay, that the height model is the size? <laughs> so you're 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 thinking on this is that what she's going to be most sensitive to is does you do you know how tall she is? <laughs> no well, one go, knows her better than he does. <laughs> what did you say, Cam? I said no one knows her better than he does, so obviously yeah. he knows how tall she is. Have you is. ever once had a conversation with your wife about her height? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Has a- anyone I mean, ever? She and Nikki have an argument now. My daughter, the two of them, see, let them do that. <laughs> let them argue about that. They argue over who's taller between the two of them. <laughs> Stacy is convinced Nikki's not as tall as her. Nikki is convinced she's as tall as my wife. And do you know what I say? Nothing. I leave the room. When that conversation takes place, you leave the room. <laughs> I've re- I wrote this in a book 
15 years ago. I'm going to get you that book. It's called Why My Wife Thinks I'm an Idiot. I once walked in the door, and my wife said, I'm old, I'm fat, and I'm ugly. And I said, oh, honey, no, you are not. And she said, which am I the least? Oh, gosh. I went on a business trip I didn't even need to take. I said, I'll see you next week. And I left and prayed (laughs) she would forget that we had had that conversation. There are some questions to which you do not have an answer. You in particular definitely don't. (laughs) So the question, why did you get me a large sweatshirt for Christmas? Is it because you think I'm, uh, this is my size? Is it because you're tired of me wearing your sweatshirts? And any number of other things she'll think of that I haven't are what you need to be prepared for and you're not i promise you you're not prepared for that well i'd like to say this wasn't baseless either i have a, a notes uh, in my notes app that mm-hmm. through the course of the year i'll take down things that she says she is interested in things she likes very thoughtful and if she buys them i knock them off if she doesn't what what, what else you get her besides the sweatshirt uh so i got her a pair of boots which she told me she wanted the boots so i knew the boots were a-okay i also what's, got her what's the size uh seven and a half yeah, so I'll keep okay. the sizes, too, in, okay. in that note. Yep. Uh, and then I got her a Jets jersey, which she also requested. Uh, I picked out the player which and player? the color. I got her a Quinn and Williams jersey. She okay. she loves the, the Quinn and Williams, the dance he does. That's he a good choice. Sacks. You know, he does the... Mm-hmm. You, so, you got her a defensive tackles yeah, jersey. Extended, I'd say... Arguably the the face of the franchise yeah. right now outside no, of Aaron Rodgers. He's very adorable. So, he has yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stace loves him too. That, that's not terrible. That, that, that's that. See, so uh, here's what I will say. Here's what I will give him. Both a jersey and footwear are pretty safe in the scheme of things. That's not bad. The sweatshirt is where you went wrong, but I think that the the, the jersey. What size jersey? Uh, a small. I went with a small. See, that's smart. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, I like everything about that decision. So actually, Jack is is, is considering the error, uh, his, his initial error of his ways. Mm-hmm. He's actually acquitting himself fairly well on this. Are those the the only items, or are there other items like dresses uh, or so? So that clothing that you saw me yes, buying that's was what, part of it. That's and, what and concerned me. I'm not done yet. I'm not across the finish line. I, I have a little bit more budget to work with. No, so. no, no, no. What items did he see you buying? Yeah. Oh, uh, so there was. Uh, Five or six clothing items. One was like? a, a nice matching set, a little like Sherpa matching set. For you and her to match? No, 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 no. The, the top and the bottom are matching, not me and her matching. <laughs> okay. This is like a, 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 a shirt and, and skirt combo? Or no, no, sweatpants. Combo? Sweatpants and like a quarter zip sweatshirt. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anything else? Uh, I believe that was it on that clothing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So no dresses. Yeah, no, that's, no, that's no, what, dresses, no, no dresses. No dress clothing. No, no dressy clothing. No, no. I, I kind of leave that to her. Okay, that's smart. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Okay. So this has been this has been our little educational time. Better than expected. I, I'd yeah. like to Jack, point you out, you acquitted yourself fairly well. Two for two on birthdays and three for three on Christmases so far. So in far. Our relationship. To your so. knowledge. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think, I think this has not yet come up, but I can assure you that there's going to come a time, and it might be years from now, when you are going to find out that there was something wrong with each of those that you just <laughs> well, described. It, it will probably be today now that it's gone over national airwaves. That, that has a, there, so. there's, a, there's a real chance of that. All right, well, Kayla, this is Christmas gifts or birthday gifts? Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. 
Okay, very good. Well, Kayla, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, hopefully you're not listening to this so you don't know what <laughs> gifts you're getting. Um, and hopefully Maddie won't tell you. And hopefully it's not too late for Maddie to help Jack out. But I will say this, Jack, you did acquit yourself very well and you were a good. And very quickly, what, give us your background here on, on your sports broadcasting. We're going to get you a gig. Uh, I'm a play-by-play broadcaster looking for any opportunities. So if you're looking for a play-by-play broadcaster... I'm your guy. If you're looking for a play-by-play broadcaster with a serious girlfriend for whom he buys clothing regularly without consultation (laughs) of her friends, then Jack is your man. Well done, Jack. Thank you. Well done. You you withstood that barrage pretty well. Way better than Hembo ever has. (laughs) Let's put it this way. When it comes to these issues... You're a thousand miles ahead of Hembo. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Seriously. For sure. You know what's going to happen later? Lizzie is going to call Kayla. And she's going to say, how have you taught him so well? Because my husband is the real dopo. We're back in a moment on ESPN Radio. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. Fun day. Uh, we try at least to make some fun in amidst some of the serious conversations. Obviously, the Draymond Green thing taking center stage and most of the uh, sports conversation. We've talked a lot about it today and we'll see uh, the Warriors players and coaches and others will meet the media today and we'll get their reaction to it. And so we'll have plenty of coverage of that tomorrow. We wanted to go on to a few other things. And so this seemed like a good moment to do a little draft prep. So you're ready for the draft. Let's get started. Greenies draft prep. We will be in Detroit this coming April for the NFL draft, and I am just getting ready to start. I usually start right after January 1st, start doing um, you know, my prep for the, for the draft itself. It is a big job, and I love it. As I've said many times, it's my single favorite assignment I've ever had here at ESPN. And Matt Miller is one of our newer colleagues here and one of our new draft insiders and he put out a mock draft the other day and there were a couple of things in it that I thought you would find interesting first off he has eight wide receivers in the first round the record is seven he has four quarterbacks in the first seven picks that would be the most ever that quickly and he has five Alabama players in the first round the record is six held by the 04 Miami Hurricanes, and the 2021 Alabama Crimson Tide. So we're expecting it to be, as it has been a lot lately, Bama heavy, a lot of quarterbacks going quick, and a lot of wide receivers. And and if there's one thing that we have seen lately, it's that the wide receiver position has become so much more valuable in the NFL. For the longest time, there was, I think, a feeling that wide receivers are kind of interchangeable. Now that 
has been attached to running backs and the truly great difference-making wide receivers is what everyone is looking for. There's no question about that. And those players coming out of the draft are also hitting a lot quicker. Think of how good Jamar Chase started his career. Think about how well Justin Jefferson played right off the bat. If you can hit on a receiver in the first round, you have yourself an enormous bargain. I mean, the Jets, theoretically, if they had a, a real quarterback, Garrett Wilson would be the exact same way. We'd view him the exact same way. So not only can you make, like a, make out like a bandit if your quarterback's on a rookie deal, but if your number one rec- uh, receiver is too, you can make a lot of headway because that's extraordinarily, uh, extraordinary value for sure. The four quarterbacks he has, I don't usually pay a lot of attention at this point in the process to which teams they're assigning players to because he's they're just guessing at what the draft order is going to be they used it based on our football power index and so I mean they're projecting it based on whatever they can base it on but who the players are is more meaningful because that the, the guys like Matt Miller and Mel and others they already know that for to, for the for the most part so the four quarterbacks for what it's worth are Caleb Williams from USC Drake May from North Carolina Jaden Daniels who just won the Heisman from LSU and then JJ McCarthy from Michigan, he pencils in McCarthy to the Raiders at seven. And I've had some people tell me they think that that might be because Jim Harbaugh might wind up being the coach of the Raiders. Hmm. And, of course, he coaches him at Michigan. One way or the other, you've got a couple of questions for me on this, and we'll do our draft pep that way. I've not yet started studying the players in depth. I don't know that I know a lot more about them than most reasonably informed football fans do. I will start that process after January 1st, but give me some questions and let's see what I can tell you. So right now, the Bears are scheduled to have the first pick via Carolina. Which team on draft day is going to make the number one pick? I think it will be the Bears. I I, I think if I were the one making the choice, I would have started by this point feeling really like it is a real possibility that we would keep Justin Fields, that we would build around him and that we would build out the roster with all these other players on rookie contracts, you know, with the three ones and three twos or whatever it is that we could get for that pick. However, I don't think that's what they will do. I think that there will most likely be new coaches in place. I think they will want to start over again. I think the promise of Caleb Williams is going to be too attractive to pass on. And look, he might really be special. I mean, Caleb Williams certainly looks like he has the tools to be special. Now, I think Justin Fields does too. But Justin Fields, I think, is a victim to some degree of his circumstance. And I think Justin Fields will be a good quarterback for someone next year, but I don't think it will be Chicago. So while I'm not convinced this is the right thing for them to do, my answer to your question is I think the Bears will pick first and they will take um, they will take Caleb Williams. So how certain are you? I'm asking you to give me a percentage that it will be Caleb Williams. That is the first player off the board. I'm pretty certain. I, I know that people are talking about Drake May glowingly. And we've always seen that, you know, teams fall in love. It only takes one. And, and, and it just takes one team to fall in love with Drake May instead or Jaden Daniels or whatever it is. But I think Caleb Williams is one of those rare players who will not be displaced in that spot. I don't know if he is quite Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck as a prospect, but I think he's close. I think he's a step, just a half a step down from that. So if you're asking for a percentage chance, 
I can't say 100, but I'm pretty certain. I, I would say something between 80 and 90%. Okay, I'll take the under, by the way. Uh, you mentioned Jaden Daniels. you take the under. You I'm, think there's I'm a real chance it winds up being Drake May? Uh, yes, I have a, like a 5-1 to one ticket in my bankroll somewhere on Drake May to be the first pick dating back to like the summer. The process is so long. I think once the NFL pre-draft process does its work, we'll be talking about like a 50-50 proposition by the time we get to really? that Really? See, I think what, what will happen is that we will all of a sudden there'll be names that are not currently in the discussion that the league will talk themselves into. Maybe so. They'll fall in love with this guy or that guy. Michael Penix will move up or move down. J.J. McCarthy will move up. Or move down. Drake May, I, I think that there's there's a chance. Look, I don't want to, I never want to put bad vibes out there on any of these kids. I wish them nothing but the best. I wish them nothing but the most success. I think there's as good a chance that as the draft, press, draft process goes on that we start hearing a little bit of Drake May falling than there is that we hear him supplanting Caleb Williams at one. One of the quarterbacks that people like, in some cases more than Drake May, is Jaden Daniels, the Heisman Trophy winner. He's projected to go fourth in Matt Miller's mock draft. LSU listed him at 6'4", 210 pounds. Is he too slight? I don't know. He's so skinny. I love him. I love Jaden Daniels. I fall in love easy. I fall in love. So, so I have no reputation as a draft analyst. I'm wrong about these guys all the time. That's why I don't give you my opinions on the picks on draft night because, A, you're not tuning in to hear that. You're tuning in to hear from Mel and from Lewis and from Booger but also because I don't, I'm not a scout. I love Jaden Daniels. I love the explosiveness. I love the arm talent. I love all that stuff. He is skinny. There's no question he is skinny, and that would scare me. How much would it scare me? I guess a lot because you got to be able to take a pounding in the NFL, especially if you're going to run the way that kid runs. So I, I would say it is a concern. 30 seconds. One more question for you. Marvin Harrison Jr., he's the best wide receiver prospect to come out since <sighs> whom? Larry Fitzgerald? Does that sound right? Uh, I think so. Some people might say Calvin Johnson, but Calvin Johnson wasn't quite the player in college because that Georgia Tech offense was so run-heavy. Some people say Julio Jones and A.J. Green, but neither of those guys went in the top three. I think Larry Fitzgerald's a great answer to that question. Yeah, I, I, that's the last time I remember thinking a player w- felt this certain. I think Marvin Harrison is the surest bet in this draft. There's no team you can put him on that he won't be a difference maker immediately. All right, it's been a good day, guys. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for getting uh, up with us on TV and then hanging out with us here on the radio. And we will be back and better than ever, same time, same place, tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.